Hello and welcome everyone to the Bring the Sting podcast. This is your host, Evan Birchmore, guys. Today is Monday, March the 7th, 2022. And on today's episode, guys, we'll be looking back at the week in review for the Charlotte Hornets, as well as taking a look ahead at the week to come, as the Hornets have three games coming up on the schedule this week. Now, guys, week in review, the Hornets go 2-1 and one on the week. They get wins against the Cavaliers and against the Spurs. They do take a loss in Milwaukee against the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, guys. But overall, uh, a week that kind of saw the team get back on track a little bit. And what I mean by that, you got back-to-back wins, guys, for the first time since January. The last consecutive wins came on January the 26th and January the 28th, guys. That was against the Pacers. Again, if you remember, that was the crazy 158-point scored game. And then that Friday night game against the Lakers, where you almost blew it in the fourth, but you held on to win. 117-114, guys. And again, another crucial thing that I that I mentioned on my personal Twitter, guys. Last night's victory against the Spurs was the first win in a game that was decided by single digits since that Lakers game. You had lost six consecutive games in which the final margin was single digits. So it was really, really important for you to get a win in a close game because obviously you can't just rely on you know these these comfortable wins all the time. I mean you got to win against the Raptors in a, in a fairly comfortable fashion. You beat the Cavaliers in fairly comfortable fashion this past week, but you can't rely on that to always be the case. At some point you're going to have to win a close game. And you did exactly that uh, part of me it was Saturday night against the San Antonio Spurs here in Charlotte guys. But going just game by game obviously in Milwaukee it's a tough place to play. You know, you had already lost there one time this season in a close game, and they kind of just, you know, you hung with them for the first quarter. The second quarter is really what killed you, where you get outscored by 23 points. And no matter how well you play the rest of the the way, I mean, it's just impossible to make up for that uh, kind of a deficit there. I mean, you pretty much played them even, you know, the rest of the way. I mean, they outscored you by one point combined in the first, third, and fourth quarters. But again, they outscored you by 23 there in the second. So... That, that's kind of the story of the ball game there, and there's really not a whole lot to dive into on that. I mean, I'm not I'm not breaking any news or, or making a hot take to say Milwaukee's a better team than you are. So, I mean, I don't think there's any shame in that. They are a team that you've managed to beat this season, albeit on your home floor. So, again, that's kind of where the losses to, like, the likes of Detroit, you know, on Sunday night at home in overtime. I mean, that's kind of where it bites you because then you look and you see, oh, well, you know, road game at Milwaukee the next night, it almost felt like, when you lost that Detroit game in overtime, I hate to say, but like my instant reaction was, oh, well, you, you know, we kind of lost tonight, but we also are going to lose tomorrow night because we were already going to be short, short rested, you know, having to travel for the second leg of a back-to-back. Then we went into overtime. So you're even less rested. It's in their house. I mean, just a bunch of things working against you again, no excuses, but kind of just one of those schedule losses where it just falls at a horrible place on your schedule and you kind of saw that on Wednesday night in Cleveland against the Cavs you know a good team really has outperformed expectations this year but you get you know an extra day of rest and you get into Cleveland and you take care of business now obviously they've kind of run into some injury issues Karis Levert has been hurt um, and did not play in the game on Wednesday night kind of the big story that came down though I mean really the big story the Hornets sign Isaiah Thomas to a 10-day contract. Yes, Isaiah Thomas, former MVP candidate with the Boston Celtics, has bounced around ever since, you know, ran into some really unfortunate injury issues uh, that came about after that season. 
but I've always been a fan. I mean, I just love his heart. I know that he really doesn't solve anything that's like a pressing need for this team. He's not much of a defender. He's obviously not a rim protector at five foot nine. Uh, but he gave you a solid performance against the Cavs. He comes in, he gives you 10 points, three assists, five boards. I believe he had two steals, and that was just in 14 minutes of action, guys. So good performance out of IT. And I think just kind of really it might even more so than anything he's going to do for you on the court is just kind of that leadership and that intangible aspect he can bring. I mean, I think I think uh, Trez brings some of that as well, and you saw it when he first arrived. And then IT brought that, you know, Wednesday night as well. It kind of galvanizes the team. You know, you got another a, another kind of ace up your sleeve, so to speak, another, another, you know, another member of the team, and that can really galvanize the group as a whole. So I really think that was a good move. And, again, it's a 10-day, so it's it's pretty much just entirely zero risk at all. If it doesn't work out, you know, shake hands, no hard feelings. You go your separate ways. If it does, you know, you carry them for the rest of the season. So provides good depth. The team kind of needed another ball handler uh, after, you know, obviously Ish Smith was part of the deal at the deadline to get Montrez Harrell. So he's now a Washington wizard. James Booknight has been injured with what's being described as neck soreness. Uh, that still kind of remains a little bit vague, at least in my opinion. But, you know, no Booknight, no Ish Smith. Um, so you, you need a kind of another guy to come off the bench and be a ball handler. And Isaiah Thomas can definitely fill that role for you. Really interesting thing, guys, and kind of the, the crazy sort of, uh, I guess, kind of storylines of the NBA, if you will. So as we all know, Isaiah Thomas and Terry Rozier used to be teammates with the Boston Celtics, guys. So Terry Rozier was drafted in 2015. IT was obviously in Boston at that time. So they were teammates for two seasons there in Boston now reunited with the Hornets. So they shared the court on the same team once again for the first time in nearly five years. The last time they had been on the same team, both playing in a game, was May 19th of 2017. That was in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So nearly five years since they were last teammates, guys, they are reunited. So really, really cool story, kind of a good uh, reunion, if you will. And again, a, a really solid performance against the Cavs. Got to tip your cap to Terry Rozier. Guys, he always seems to show up against the Cavs. I don't know what it is. I know he's from Youngstown, Ohio, so not very far from Cleveland. But he gives you 29-7-7. Seven, and seven. And I pulled up the stats. Since he joined the Hornets in the 2020 season, Terry has averaged 26.2 points, 4.2 rebounds, and 4 assists over 9 games against the Cavs since becoming a Charlotte Hornet. So he really seems to go all out against Cleveland guys. Tip of the cap to Terry Rozier. And then he follows it up again with a very solid performance on Saturday against the San Antonio Spurs. He gives you 31 points, five boards, six assists, very efficient night from the field guys, 10 of 18 field goals, six of eight from three, perfect from the line on five attempts. And since the All-Star break, his shooting splits and his stats just through the roof, guys. Since the All-Star break, Terry Rozier has given you 26.2 points per night, 6.4 boards, 5 assists, and that is on 53, 54, and 94% shooting splits. That is – that's just incredible. And so, pardon me. I got got to rephrase very quickly. I got the stats flip-flopped. He is giving you 26.2 points per night. He's giving you 6.4 assists and 5.0 rebounds, again, since the All-Star break, in five games since the All-Star break. But he's making nearly pretty much 53% of his shots, 
from three and 94% from the foul line, guys. So, I mean, I think he's he's been your best player since the All-Star break. He's really maximized what he can do for this team. So tip of the cap to Terry Rozier. Tip of the cap to birthday boy himself, or birthday man, we should say, Mason Plumley. Saturday was his 32nd birthday, guys. He gives you 13 boards on Saturday against the Spurs. That tied for his third highest rebounding total of the season. He has three separate games in which he grabbed 17 boards. He got 14 in a previous game against Cleveland, and then he gave you 13 against the Spurs. So really, really solid performance from Mason Plumley. You know, that's why he's on the team. I know he catches a lot of heat. He is what he is, you know, and, and I think it's unfair to ask him to be something that he's not. He's not an elite center. He's not the caliber of, you know, a Miles Turner, a Rashawn Holmes, even like a Mo Bamba even. But, like, he, he comes in and he does what he does, which is grab rebounds, play defense, set screens, pass when he needs to. Not much of a, of a shooter, doesn't really stretch the floor at all, but like he, he did his job on Saturday, and that was to grab rebounds and hustle. And that's what he did. He gave you 13 boards. So tip of the cap to Mason Plumley. Again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you get a win in a close game. It had just felt like forever. I mean, we all know the the woes of this Hornets team in overtime games, 0-7 in overtime games this season. So I was watching that Spurs game coming down the stretch, and I said, please, please, please do not let this get into overtime. Against the Pistons, I was actually not upset that I got to overtime because I thought it was a good chance for you to kind of get that that overtime monkey off your back, if you will. Because once you run it up to 0-5, 0-6, 0-7, I think it becomes mental. I think the guys are aware of that. And I think whenever any of these games get into overtime, they just think, oh, well, here we go again, 0-7 in overtime games. And I thought the Detroit game was a really good chance to kind of get that off your back and break that negative energy obviously it didn't happen that way so the Spurs game you don't let get into overtime which was good you end up pulling out a close win and again it was your first victory in a single digit game since January you had lost six in a row in games decided by single digits so a really big step forward for Charlotte because as I mentioned you can't just rely on on blowing people out all the time you're going to have to win a close game down the stretch at some point and you, you do just that so very good job by the Hornets to get that done. Also, quick tidbit, and really not anything that's super crucial for like the rest of the season or anything, but but something kind of interesting I found is, is kind of, I like to, you know, dive into the history of the NBA and history of, of the Hornets against other franchises, right? You had never beaten the Spurs. The Hornets had never beaten the Spurs more than twice in a row. They've now beaten them three times in a row, dating back to last season. So the Hornets currently have their longest winning streak ever over the San Antonio Spurs. Three games in a row in which you've beaten the Spurs. So that's notable. I mean, the Spurs are kind of a gold standard kind of a franchise. So, you know, kind of cherish those small victories. Cherish the accomplishments and celebrate that. So that's a re- that's noteworthy in my opinion. All right, guys. Looking at the standings now, the Eastern Conference is kind of a mess right around Charlotte. You know, so right now you're in eighth. and, and I went through on my personal Twitter and tweeted out the tiebreaker scenarios that are going to happen because you are right there. You're 11 games out of first. So is Brooklyn and so is Atlanta. But due to tiebreakers right now, you're 8th, Brooklyn's ninth, Atlanta's 10th. Washington sits in 11th, and they're really the only team I think that even has a realistic chance to take a postseason spot because New York has been very bad recently. Indiana, Detroit, and Orlando are not going to make the postseason. So really it's the Wizards in 11th, and then everybody else 1 through 10. So you're fighting for seeding. 
Hornets fans, you should be rooting against the Wizards in every game they play. I know I have been um, to to kind of help you out and secure that postseason spot. But looking at the tiebreakers, guys. So Charlotte has two more games against the Nets. The Nets actually come to town this Tuesday, so that's one opportunity to get a win. You need to win at least one of the two remaining games against the Nets in order to hold that tiebreaker. Now, if you remember, you beat them earlier in the season, way, way back in the beginning of the season. In Brooklyn, you defeated them. So if you can just win one of these next two games against Brooklyn, you'll hold the tiebreaker. And that's really important because that could decide home court. That could get you to the eighth seed. You know, obviously, I mean, you don't even have to really explain it. I mean, that's just crucial to get that tiebreaker. Atlanta currently has the tiebreaker over Charlotte. So a few things need to happen and went through because it could get really, really messy depending on kind of how the rest of the season plays out. But the Hornets can still secure that tiebreaker over the Hawks. What needs to happen Step one, and everything else is is a mute point if you don't do this, you have to beat the Hawks on March 16th. Hawks come to Charlotte, March 16th, you have to win that game in order to give yourself a chance at the tiebreaker, guys. That's next Wednesday night, again, March the 16th. You have to win that game. That would tie the season series at two games apiece with the Hawks. At that point, it goes to best divisional record. Now, I know divisions really don't mean a whole lot in the NBA until they do. And that's, you know, the tiebreakers coming into effect. So what Charlotte would need to do, one way they could secure that tiebreaker is to sweep their remaining division games, which would obviously be that game against Atlanta, which we mentioned, at Miami, then home games against the Magic and the Wizards. So you have four games left. If Charlotte wins all four of those and Atlanta loses all of their remaining division games, at Charlotte, Wizards in Atlanta, and at Miami. That would mean that Charlotte would finish 9-7 and seven in divisional games, and Atlanta would finish 8-8, eight and eight, at which point Charlotte would own the tiebreaker because the season series would be tied, and then the secondary tiebreaker is that divisional record. So again, you would have to sweep those four games that I mentioned, and Atlanta would need to lose out in division. If Charlotte goes 3-1 and one in division, and Atlanta loses out, then... Charlotte could still get the tiebreaker, but it becomes even more kind of nuanced at that point. Charlotte would obviously need to go three and one, and you can't lose to Atlanta. That's that's kind of the, the caveat here. That has to be the game that you win. So the loss cannot come against the Hawks. In that case, you would have to have the better record in conference games. Right here, right now, Charlotte is 21 and 20 in conference games. Atlanta is 20 and 20. So again, as I mentioned, it gets very, very involved. So just keep your eye out on that, but that could become kind of a factor down the stretch. The simplest thing would just to be to, you know, be above them in the standings and win more games, and you wouldn't have to worry about it. But that is the scenario as far as the tiebreaker with the Hawks is concerned. So it's interesting. Absolutely, it's something to keep your eye on going forward. All right, guys, so looking at the week ahead, some good matchups coming up this week. The Nets, as I mentioned, Visit Charlotte. So the Nets are coming to Charlotte tomorrow night, Tuesday night in Uptown. And then Wednesday night, again in Charlotte, the Celtics come to town. So really some good prove-it kind of games, right? Like hang your hat type games, big marquee franchises, but you're on your home court. You got to defend your home court. And, you know, the Nets, they've been struggling. I mean, I know they're they're certainly a more talented team than you are, but, you know, Durant just came back. Ben Simmons won't be playing. Kyrie isn't playing in home games. Like, where's the chemistry with that team? I like the individual pieces. I just don't see it really 
fitting together all that well, at least not at this point. But a good opportunity Tuesday night to take down the Nets. And then Celtics coming to town on Wednesday. The Celtics have been playing much better in recent weeks. You did beat them in Boston, but again, they've also beaten you twice this year. Already beat you on your home court in an overtime game way back in the early portion of the season. So a tough back-to-back, but you are at home, which helps you. Uh, and some really good opportunities. I mean, big games. So you can't say you don't have the opportunity for some good wins this week. Then Friday night, you're at New Orleans, who's absolutely been playing better as of late. And if you've been tracking the the draft pick that might be coming Charlotte's way, New Orleans' recent surge in the standings and recent improved play is really good for Charlotte. You just don't want them to win on Friday. You obviously want them to win every game except when you're playing them. So an interesting game coming up Friday night in New Orleans. That'll be a challenging game, but you know another got a good opportunity to pick up a road victory for the Hornets. So that is the three games kind of on your docket, so to speak, this week. Again, the back-to-back with the Nets and the Celtics coming to town, and then at New Orleans on Friday. So some really good games, guys. Again, be sure to keep up on social media. We'll be tweeting about all those matchups. Really, really excited to kind of see what the squad can do. Again, as I mentioned, your first back-to-back wins since January. Can you build some momentum? You know, and you think even, well, darn it, if we had just beaten Detroit, we would have won four out of five since the All-Star break. Even with that loss to Detroit, you're three and two since the All-Star break. So I I do think the break was really good for this team. We'll we'll see if we can get some pieces back coming off injury. Cody Martin is obviously already back. He's been playing well. Gordon Hayward, when will he be back? Jalen McDaniels, James Booknight, are those guys ever going to come back this season? Kind of my personal opinion on this is, you know, Book and McDaniels, I think, are less significant subtractions from your rotation than Hayward. We all know how valuable Gordon Hayward is to this team. If you can just get him healthy by postseason time, maybe you get him, you know, ideally you want him to get his legs underneath him. So, you know, let's say he comes back and can play like two or three games at the end of the season and have him going into the postseason. I mean, that, that's kind of a best-case scenario because at this point, like it's looking like you're at least likely to make the postseason. You know, again, as I mentioned, you got to root against the Wizards in every game and, and then win enough to get there. Just get there, and if you have Hayward, you have kind of your, your guys that you need. At that point, you like your chances, and you just go, and you got to play. You got to go play and win. Uh, but, you know, really no updates on the injury front. Obviously, as I mentioned, Cody Martin's back. So the more pieces, the better. Like it's never obviously good to be without pieces and – Again, you just want to root for health, root for those guys to get back as soon as possible from injury, guys. All right, guys, so that wraps it up for this week's episode of the Bring the Sting podcast. A shorter episode this week, but really good stuff out of the Hornets this past week. Really, really excited for this coming week. Let's see if the momentum can continue. Guys, momentum builds on itself, both negative and positive. So as I mentioned, I mean, you got back-to-back wins first time in over a month. Uh, so let's keep building on it. I mean, momentum builds on itself. So let's see the Hornets go on a bit of a winning streak. We're going to speak it into existence, uh, as LeVar Ball would say. I'm going to speak it into existence, guys. Let's get some wins this week. Let's beat Brooklyn. Let's beat Boston. Let's beat New Orleans. Let's have a great week, guys. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. Lots of good developments. Lots of good content will continue to come your way. Got some great guest interviews lined up for the weeks to come. Be sure you're tuned in. Social media, Twitter at underscore bring the sting Instagram at bring the sting guys always on those channels. We'll always interact with our fans. Thank you for listening to our podcast guys. Again, I've been your host, Evan Birchmore. It's been a pleasure speaking to you this morning. As I always say, go Hornets. We'll talk to you next week. 